Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be dissecting all the action from a busy final round of the pool stage of the Champions Cup. We'll be discussing the RFU's decision to lower the tackle height for everyone at National 1 and below next season. Yeah. And we'll be having a chat with Ireland's breakthrough star from last season. Mac Hansen is on the show as he gets ready for the Six Nations. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. How you doing, lads? I'm good. (laughs) That's, That's all you got. That's all I've got. I mean, yeah, I'm in a good place. I did the game last night. We recorded on a Monday, so the game was on Sunday, the last game of the pool stages. Uh, there's a load of stuff happening in rugby. We've got some live shows lined up, Goody. My hair's growing back because I shaved all my hair off and it's growing back now. Is it? Is it actually growing back, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It was a worry for a while, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Well, a lot's happened. I don't know if you know that I had a thyroid disease, which causes <laughs> hair loss, but no. Good place, Andy Rowe. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks and there's a load to get through and a load to talk about and I'm comfortable doing that. I like drama. What I've realised is, and I'll be honest with you, I like drama. Yes, James. I'd go as far as saying as I love drama. Like, I love it. Drama in your life or drama in rugby? I'm not good with drama in my life. You know, if there's stuff going on and anxiety levels are high, multitasking and that, but on the periphery, said it in one word good word james periphery yeah just on that outside bit where there's stuff going on and there's a bit of chaos i've actually realized and i'm comfortable to say that i quite enjoy it you know frank lampard getting sacked whoa in football. Oh. i know i know chris eubanks lad giving it the big and then the way to the boxing ring and all week and then, and then he boom. ends up getting banjoed <laughs> i know i enjoy it and then we can talk about rugby because goodness me there's a load going on but nah, i'm happy i'm looking forward to the next few weeks lads but i don't want to rush my life away because we effectively lost two years. We did. And I'm just trying to work out, James. You mentioned it then, the live shows. This time next week, we'll be doing the podcast on the Monday. We're flying to Dublin on the Tuesday. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Guinness and black current everywhere. That's a good way. Like That's not like, oh, my God, like, I'm gutted. Oh, my God, I can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to the live shows kicking in. Yeah, we have added another few live shows, including two in Dublin next week on the 31st of Jan and 1st of Feb in OPM with Rob Kearney and Bernard Jackman. We've also added Spotify's Pod Live event in London on the 9th of Feb and Belfast on the 8th of March. Details for all the new live shows as well as Edinburgh are still available on our website now. So just go to therugbypod.com to find the link for those tickets to each event. Goody, before we get on to 
the live shows and the rugby. How, how was your week, mate? Busy weekend, actually. So Friday, I was up seeing the old boy in hospital. He's still in hospital, unfortunately, but hopefully we'll get some answers this week. And then Saturday, I was down at Exeter doing the Exeter cast game. And it was a bit of a long day, actually. Got the train back, got stuck at Reading Station for 45 minutes with a load of drunks. And I was in this waiting room because it was so Baltic outside. And it was midnight. And I'm sat there next to this woman and man who were talking rather loudly. Earphones in, but let's just have a listen to see what they're saying. And early on in their relationship, and they'd gone out and met some of his friends that night. And he got a text message from one of his mates after they'd left and gone back to catch the train. The text message, he read it out. He said, oh, I've had a text off my mate Wayne. And it's like... Strippers? No, no, I don't think it was that. Question mark. He said, oh, uh, she's an absolute G. So happy you're pleased. What, like a G unit? But this is the thing. So a, a G, I presume, in street speak is... G unit, like a wildebeest. No, not a G unit, James. Like I like her, she's a good girl, blah, 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 she's a G. She's read the text and she's gone, what does that mean? What does being a G mean? What's he on about? Starts having a go at him. And he's like, no, 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 it means he really likes you. And she's like, oh, I didn't like him anyway. He's the one that I didn't really like out of your mates. They then start having a row. Meanwhile, she's holding a McDonald's. She's got 20 nuggets and large fries. Well, that's just, she's a G unit then. <laughs> they're, they're having a bit of a row then because poor bloke's like, oh, he really likes you. He says you're a G. She's like, why is he calling me a G? And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's 20 nuggets on the floor and large fries and she ain't happy because they're on the floor. So, And you're on your hands and knees. Mate, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> she got even angrier when I was like let me scoop someone let me help you love one in the mouth one back in the box kind of thing so it was an interesting one coming back from Exeter I got home about one o'clock in the morning the glamour I thought of you Jim actually because the glamour of doing a bit of TV work and then how you get there and back and we always hear about your trials and tribulations of traveling and getting stuck here there and everywhere and having a scrap with or nearly having a scrap with the Addison Lee driver next time I'm just staying in the range boys I'm just driving wherever I go because it was horrific and then Sunday I was down at BT Sports Studios commentating on the Montpellier Irish game. So, yeah, a busy weekend of work. I don't think the missus is happy because she had the kids herself all weekend. But she's going to Dubai in two weeks, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, Exactly. There you hey, go. Play hard. We're guessing, aren't we, that my G is the same in Exeter as it is in London. I don't think it is. I think his mates were calling her a G unit. If she's eating 20 chicken nuggets, then <laughs> arguably you could say that she probably was. But my kids now, well, JJ especially, they talk in like this code like ah oh, that's cap or like that's sick and it's lit my g and all that like i'm thinking what is going on here but what they don't realize is their dad's down with it as well but i thought cap was cat so i was like trying to give them slang so when his mates were in the car i was like lads should we put this tune on it's cat which means it's good or maybe it doesn't maybe that means it's not good right i need to get up to date with the lingo but my g is either a good thing or it's a g unit is all i know <laughs> Well, speaking of lingo, there was plenty flying around on Twitter over the weekend. I saw you both getting involved. The new tackle limits. Absolute madness. Well, we've both done a piece independently on it, Andrew. So why don't we do it collectively and share it with the the masses? As we know, if we do it individually, the audience could be limited. But on air, let's go for it. Because we are similar in our views and it is very topical. And I need to say this again. Am I bothered? I'm not hugely bothered by it. I think a little bit of it's been blown out of proportion, but I had a bit of time to digest it, and I actually Googled like a human body map, like a diagram, a diagram, not a map. It's a map or a diagram of head, 
Shoulders, knees, knees and toes, toes knees, knees and toes. And many people, I think, in all this discussion, are hearing the news and reading the news and absorbing the news on social media that the RFU are reducing the tackle height to the waist. You're a good man to talk about this. The waist is actually higher than you think, Andrew. So it's not hips, it's waist. I know where you're coming from here, but this is... Are you, are you employed by the RFU's PR machine to try and change <laughs> no. the narrative here? Because they've had a no. shocker. They've had a shocker. They've had a shocker. They've also had a shocker. But look, I think it's our responsibility because a lot of people listening to this will be part of the grassroots fraternity in the community. Probably the majority of our listeners are from that group. So I think one can be emotion-led, but I think also we need to deliver them details. So it's not hips, it's waste right? So I went one further. So there was that part of me where I thought, okay, well, it's not as low as I thought because the hips are lower than the waist and the waist is only a couple of inches lower than the nipples unless you're goody when actually the nipples are lower than the waist. <laughs> and then people are sending me this clip from YouTube of Federal 3 of the rules being or the laws being implemented. And that's where I was like, my, my goodness me. I don't know whether because the, the game was so bad but it was actually quite comical watching some of the players, some of the lads going into tackle with their hands because effectively they can't they, they can't get that low. But I think a few days have gone past and I don't think it is as radical as people are making out. You're on the payroll. I'll tell you now, I'm not, mate. I'm not. But let's go through it. Like, I don't agree with it. Let, let me just start by saying, and this is where people disagree because they think it will come to the top end of rugby. This ain't happening, in my opinion. I'll eat me head. You'll eat your head? How are you going to eat your head? Because your mouth's on your head. No, I'll eat it. I'll eat me head. But how are you going to eat your head? Well, I'm not, am I? Because it ain't going to happen. So <laughs> that's, it. that's that's what I'm saying. This ain't coming. I can't see it to the top of the game. It can't. And there's a number of reasons why that we can get into. But they're doing it in France. They're doing it in New Zealand. The RFU have announced it. SRU are going to announce the same. WRU and the RFU unless they listen to Johnny Sexton and they probably change their minds because he's the king. But this is coming, whether we like it or not. Yeah, the thought behind it. Now, I get the idea of trying to lower the tackle height, and I'll talk about it on here, to make the game safer. Completely understand it. At the minute, the laws state that it's below the neckline, isn't it? So shoulders and neckline, that's where you know it's a high tackle if it's deemed above that. Now, to bring the target aim down is fully understandable. So I get the premise behind it. The way the RFU have done it, let's deal with that first. The way they've done it with their press release saying, right, from July 2023, the new laws will state that everyone in the grassroots game must tackle below the waist, right? So everyone's like shorts, that's below the shorts. You're changing the game radically and you're saying it from national one down. So it's not the premiership and it's not the championship. This is just in England. So for all our listeners in other countries, in other leagues, you know, we're just talking about England now. You've got, first and foremost, you've got players at Premiership clubs that are on loan at Championship clubs and National One clubs. So you have got players that are going to have to play both games, which is ridiculous. Secondly, there's no consultation, and this isn't any order of priority, but there's been no consultation. I've had so many messages on social media. I've got mates that play at Windsor Rugby Club, Beaconsfield Rugby Club, loads of different clubs around the country who are all messaging me going, this is going to kill the game. Like, Who wants to play that game? It's, it's very different to what you watch on TV. And in terms of how they've announced it, they've not given any serious guidelines that they did a second sort of PR announcement by then saying, you know, we'll give more information in a few weeks time around how it's structured, how, you know, it's refereed, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to radicalize the game that much and do a press release, and I don't know whether they were forced into something around 
the legal battles that are going on behind closed doors. I don't know whether they were trying to change the narrative around getting away from Eddie Jones. I don't know whether Bill Sweeney's woken up and just gone, oh, let's do something because I'm awake now. The sleeping bag's got a bit sweaty and I, I decided to wake myself up. But the whole process of it, how they've announced it, shocking. There's been little consultation, if any, to the majority of the people that this is going to affect. So you go to the the grassroots clubs, the players are like, who's voted for this? Who said this is a good idea? Who's been consulted on this in terms of the levels that are going to be affected? So they've taken a top-tier view of this is what we're going to do to change the game without any consultation. And I personally believe, yes, it's going to come in. You have to change something to change behaviours, to make it safer, etc., etc. And my argument was in my column, if it's at shoulder line, neckline now in terms of where a high tackle is, and you want to get to even lower, then start off with the nipples. You know, they tried it in the Championship Rugby Cup a few years ago. MLR. Yeah. You sat there and you're thinking, who's thought of this? And, you, you know, there's loads of science and research behind it. Well, Who follows science now? Who follows science and data? Don't don't get political. Let's not do it, but <laughs> there let's we do go. it. Follow the science. And, and, and then you sat there going, of all the people it's affected, hardly anyone, if anyone, has been consulted on it. So the actual game in, in England, the club game, the grassroots game in England, is on its knees in terms of... Since the pandemic, the RFU had this big drive to try and get players to come back to their clubs because a lot of the clubs have struggled to get players coming back to play because they got used to not playing rugby for a season because of the pandemic. And then they thought, well, actually, do I need to batter my body? Do I want you know, to go through what I used to go through without even thinking about on a Tuesday night, Thursday night, play on a Saturday? People, People's lives changed, so it was harder for them to get everyone to go back to play rugby. So participation levels were down. You know, I go and do after dinner speeches up and down the country at all these grassroots rugby clubs and I enjoy doing it I guarantee every time I'm at a club someone will go oh he's our Andy Gude and they'll point at some fat bloke with his nipples around his knees because they're they're comparing themselves to ex-professionals or professional players and then there'll be another one go oh there's he's our Owen Farrell but what you're doing is you're making two separate games now by doing that so you're making a game for the grassroots and then you're wanting them to all be involved and watch the professional game for the championship and the premiership are you stopping a team from the grassroots from coming up the leagues because it's then a different game in between two leagues so that you might be blocking that pathway? It's so radical in, in everything they've done and it's a PR disaster. So whoever is their PR team that's advised them to do this is either a knee-jerk reaction because there's something at play behind closed doors around the legal battles or, again, it's just clueless leadership from the RFU and you know, we're in this place now where everyone's debating it. No one really knows what it entails. You've got Nigel Owens coming out and saying it's going to be hard on the referee. How's a referee going to referee this? The game's hard enough to referee anyway, and half of them can't get it right at the top level, let alone imagine some of the refs in the in the grassroots. And that's what people say to me when I'm doing afternoon speeches around the country. I moan about some of the refs, and we talk about GMO, Goody, Match Official, and all that stuff. They, they're all laughing about some of the refs at the lower end. So how are you making their job even harder? I get the premise of it. How they've handled it is horrific. And I think it will kill the game at the grassroots level over time in England. Well, let's take a look at what happened on the field over the weekend. Because, Jim, you were at Edinburgh v Saracens to round off the pool stages on Sunday, weren't you? Just on that, the last game, and I was delighted to see Big Jim on TV. You didn't have your cravat on. Where was the cravat? I had a scarf, tartan scarf. You did. You did. But how good is the Champions Cup when it all came down to that last game on deciding who got the last home leg for the last 16. Andrew, yeah, that's what I said. That was my last line 
on commentary. There you go, James. How good is the Champions Cup? It was. Like, it was great to be there, actually. Great to be involved. And I joke about it, Tier 2 Media. It was a big game. I was very happy to be involved in that. Two of my former clubs, loads of drama. We didn't know who was going to finish where. I mean, I thought all the last games were brilliant. And I sound quite hypocritical and the fact that I'm contradicting myself that you can qualify for the last 16 having only won one game a la Ulster for example just to name one but I loved it really enjoyed it I mean it was tough doing it on a Sunday night because like long weekend right four kids there's a lot of rugby to consume there's a lot going on in, in the head but it was brilliant and anyone who watched the game if they didn't I can give you a bit of kind of insight into it Saracen's fully loaded apart from Owen Farrell Edinburgh few injuries. So no Darcy Graham, no Duan van der Merwe, who is in South Africa and getting married, apparently struggling with an injury. But if you watch him on social media, he got absolutely monstered by his brother uh, on the beach. So <laughs> I don't think either of them are struggling with injury. Uh, Emiliano Buffelli didn't play for Edinburgh and Hamish Watson, just to name a few. So they had a few injuries. And I tell you what, hashtag always Edinburgh, physically annihilated Saracens. Monstered them. They monstered them. Goody, right. They absolutely monstered them physically. I've never seen Saracen so off physically. And that's where I think a lot of the issues stem. Jamie George's high tackle, Riccioni's high tackle. But Edinburgh, it's all about them. I'm talking about them. And we'll come on to how it's not all about them because they decided to kick the ball out at the end of the game. 10-6 up, right? And they are banging down the door of Saracens who are down to 13 men. And I personally think Edinburgh should have put them away. But yeah. you think about what's happening in two weeks with the Edinburgh-Scotland game. There's a load of players at Edinburgh. I think it's about 11 in the squad that are going to be playing or involved with Scotland. There's eight with Saracens as well. That precursor to the Calcutta Cup match, if anyone thought it was going to be a walk in the park, you need to watch that game. Like Grant Gilchrist was unbelievable in the second row in terms of physically. Pierre Schumann gave him man of the match. 20-odd carries. Unbelievable. Unreal. Luke Crosby, not many people have heard of him. He carved up down at the Stone X a few weeks ago. If Hamish Watson's not right, I reckon he starts at seven. Uh, Jamie Ritchie was good, as always. Bill Matter was ball carrying to the cow sheds and back. Exactly. But Edinburgh, a good team. Like They've been hot and cold a bit in the URC. They've come quietly into the last 16 of the Champions Cup. Coming down to my house. They are coming down. They're our house. I mean, we're both Leicester heroes, so... Well, the Andy Goodswing will be rammed. Maybe we'll get you there, Jim, for that game. Well, that's your house, but yeah, we're kind of like brothers, so I'm in the house as well. But the big talking point from the game, apart from Jamie George's collision and Riccioni's collisions and, uh, and the high tackle situation, was Edinburgh at the end of the game, 20 points to 14, Edinburgh are winning. They're on the halfway line. Andrew Cotter, one of the greatest of all times in commentary, is being fed in by producer Tim, the details and the permutations of what needs to happen. We're unsure whether Edinburgh know... Henry Pergos, the replacement scrum half, ends up kicking the ball off at the halfway line. But what transpires is they chose to kick the ball out and take the win as opposed to risk losing the game. And the final scenario would have been the same. And that was the talking point at the end of the game. But massive win. If you look at it just on that, and I understand there's a part of me that understands why hashtag always Edinburgh, having a win against Saracens, the momentum that gives, gives you and the energy around the stadium... But now, because they decided to kick it out and didn't go to put Saracens to the sword and not give them anything out of the game, that puts them away at Leicester for the next round. First and foremost, it was an unbelievable game, right? The intensity, love watching it, love listening to your comms, James. Even when Mara told you gets Simbin, you were like, no way, no way. Sarcasm. I know, Sarcasm. I liked it, I liked it. But whatever anyone says at Edinburgh, 
and Mike Blair came down and I saw the interview after the game. Honestly, you, you mentioned then the energy in the stadium. You've given up the chance of a home last 16 leg by either not knowing or just being happy to beat Saracens. Why are you happy to beat Saracens by six points? I get, on paper, it looks like a great result. But the talking point is, had and they had opportunities in the game, Blair Kinghorn missed a few. Yeah, they didn't put Saracens away properly when they were down to 13. Saracens got away with a fair bit in terms of the breakdown just before half-time that Edinburgh were absolutely raging with. And Saracens' discipline, they had, was it 19 penalties or something like that? And only Maratoji got simbined in that second half in terms of penalty accumulation. I think they could have had a couple of other yellow cards. In yeah, t- definitely. In terms of discipline. They did have two others for our listeners that go, they had three. Well, they did because of two isolated incidents from the tackles, which we'll get onto. But it's a cock-up, right? Because... Mike Blair came down and said, "Your momentum, and you know, we didn't. We we're into the wind, which is really tough. You should be telling your players to go after a point somehow, another point. So obviously a penalty, a drop goal, a try, or whatever. If you know that it's six points difference, and they've got you on tries scored, so you're going away from home. It doesn't matter if you lose the game because it's not changed anything. You'd already qualified. It wasn't qualification on the line. It was a home last sixteen leg." On the line, which for Edinburgh, massive performance. Looking at that, it gets the juices flowing for the Calcutta Cup in a couple of weeks. And I don't think any fan, and I'll say it on air, I don't think any England fan thinks there's any chance of it being a walkover. We haven't won it in God knows how long. I think you've won three of the last five or four of the last five or something like that. So it's our bogey game in terms of when you played, Jim, and when I played, I could have put my left boot on my right foot and my right boot on my left foot and still beating you by about 30 points. Yeah, I put your shorts on your head and your boots on your hands as well. <laughs> exactly. Still exactly. But now, like Scotland, they're favourites probably in terms of what they've done in this competition and, and this game over the last few years. So I, I don't agree with Mike Blair. He wasn't happy with you or Andrew Cotter and you backtracked like you wouldn't believe. I didn't say anything. I, I didn't know, like, as in, I didn't know whether they know. No, Mike, it wasn't me, Mike. It wasn't me. It was Andrew Cotter. <laughs> it was it was him. It was Andy Nichol. It was anyone but it, it me. It was Andy Nichol. Anyone <laughs> yeah. but me. Denied, denied. But yeah. But a huge performance. Bottom line is, massive performance. Did exceptionally well. Yeah, physically dominated Saracens. And let's get onto the yellow cards, or should they have been red cards then? Because first and foremost, park the tackles. How's Jamie George been allowed to get back on the field? And I heard you in comms, you obviously did some research and went down and spoke to Saracens and whoever down there, and they were like, oh, he's winded. Was he bollocks winded? Like, Well, that's what we said in comms. Like, I, He looked like he was out for the count. So I'm thinking with everything that goes around it... Look at the whiplash. Well, that's what I mean. Everything that goes around it and the point we are now in rugby, you're thinking, well, there's no way that the medics or the independent match doctor would put him back on if he was even remotely or mildly concussed. So based on that collision with Luke Crosby, how good was that carry, by the way, like the physicality around that? But also Jamie George was really high, was passive. So I can only go based on where I thought we were in the game now, which is 100% safety and also over-caution. So the fact that he did his HIA and came back on well, I'm thinking, well, they're not stupid nor negligent, so we thought, yeah. so we thought. So when I went down to half time, I went to the Saracens bench and spoke to a couple of the players, no one medically qualified. I said, how's Jamie managed to get back on? And they said, oh, he was only winded. Nah. I was like, really? So I said, really? And they said, yeah. Well, I said, well, I'm taking it at face value that 
Well, he must have been winded then because they wouldn't put him back on if it was anything else. Half time went down and said just to reiterate that Jamie George was winded and not concussed. Apparently, that's all I can go based on. And then there was loads of stuff on social media that I got brought into. But doesn't you know? I'm just drama. Yeah, Love drama, <laughs> drama, drama <laughs> that I'm involved in, and I'm delivering the message. It's not for me to decide whether someone's taken a head knock, a brain injury, whether they're concussed. It can look like something, which it did look like he was, and clearly he was because the match doctor got involved and he failed his HIA, but he shouldn't have gone back on, but he did. And that's the thing. If there's a chance you look like you're concussed, they can overrule any HIA and just say, nah, he's gone for the game. And they can, the independent match doctor can do that, and he clearly did overrule it eventually, but shouldn't have even have come close to getting back on the field. His own safety, and you know, the player has to take himself out of the decision, so... Someone should have said, Jamie, that doesn't look right. You can't go back on. Because I think now it's, is it 14 days or three weeks that they have to have off if they're reported to be concussed properly? I know Freddie Burns had one earlier in the season. That's the framework, isn't it? That's the, the stand-down period, which it always has been, apparently. And this is, I know we're, we're going off on a tangent, which is something that we don't necessarily want to talk about, but we have to. Mm. But it is, it's always been three weeks. Yeah. So I can't even put, th- I can't even put three fingers up. Four come up when I put three. <laughs> <laughs> fingers are absolutely fucked. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's always been three weeks. So with everything that's going on now, and then the question comes, if Jamie George hadn't injured himself and it was Luke Crosby who was injured, would it have been a red card and not a yellow card? The yellow card is the right decision. And I've done my research with top-end referees here. Bracey, use it! He was legal going into the tackle in terms of it wasn't an illegal shoulder charge, anything like that. He was just too high. And he because he was passive, because there wasn't any force in it, that's why it's a red down to a yellow. The mitigation is that the force was very passive, so it's a yellow card. Even if Luke Crosby had have been Sparko Marcode himself... And Jamie George had done exactly the same thing. It wouldn't have mattered. It's still a red down to a yellow. So um, the right decision. And Riccioni's one, or Riccioni, or Riccioni. Riccioni, Marco Riccioni. And you, you were right, Jim, on comms. His is the same again. It's a yellow card. It's passive. It's head on the wrong side. But there's no huge force behind it. But the fact that he's shaking his head and smiling going off, and you called him out on it, Jim, don't know why he's shaking his head, because it's a clear yellow card, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And this is the talking points which are consuming the rugby world at the top end. And it's really difficult to say, isn't it? This is part and parcel of the game, whether people want to hear this or not. This is part of the game of rugby that we play. And do I think lowering the height, going back to our initial discussion around that, lowering the height will change that? I don't think it will. I think you look at these microseconds and you look at the change of direction and these split decisions it is so difficult we don't want to see it of course we don't of course we don't but there's an inevitability about it and where the issues lie is away from the pitch and the people making the decisions and that's what we're reliant on right that's all we can rely on it's not for Jamie George or Marco Riccioni maybe he's smiling shaking his head because he didn't know what's happened because he's concussed it's not for them it's not for us we're not medics to make the decision. It's for the experts to do that. You've said on here before that you're a medic. Could have been a medic. Could have been a medic. Should have as well. Should have. Should have, but I'm not. I I haven't got the letters and the numbers at the end of my name. Dr. Jim. Well, you can be a doctor now. I can be whatever I want, can't I? So I could be a doctor, but... So you are. That doesn't mean that I've got the letters at the end. So effectively, Dr. Jim Hamilton, with nothing at the end, (laughs) is about as qualified as Andy Rowe when it comes to malls. Cat food. (laughs) That's not... 
that bad as far as qualifications go. Goody, how was the drama at the Andy Goose suite with Ospreys coming to town? Ospreys, very good. Here's a stat for you. First time a Welsh team has won at Welford Road since 1998. What? Is that? Is that the... Stats is it? I mean, that's where stats and data and science, if you can call it science, I, I listen to that. Yeah. And who played in that game in 1998 when Leicester lost to a Welsh team at Welford Road? Well, it weren't me. It was me. It, it was me. Was it? <laughs> it was who me. was it? Cardiff. It was the year that Cardiff and Swansea, as they were previously known, were kicked out of the Welsh League and they played every English club home and away. Not part of the English league, but they just played friendlies home and away. So obviously Leicester put the shags out. 18-year-old Andy Goode, no gloves at the time, Cougar armband. We just got filled in by Cardiff's best team. So I saw that stat and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that. I was buzzing. Friday night game, I'm like, this is my first start for Leicester as a kid. Yeah, we got absolutely hosed. So, uh, But Ospreys, Jack Morgan. Oh my word. Yeah. How good is he? Well, this is the thing. He's amazing. And I'm doing BT Sport on Saturday down in Exeter against Cast. Sam Warburton is on comms with me. And pre-match, we're having some food. Of course we are. And we're chatting about the game, chatting about Jack Morgan. He's basically said he's Wales' next captain. He's that good. And when Sam Warburton says you're that good in the back row, and Sam Warburton, obviously one of the best Welsh back rowers to have ever played the game, he was ridiculous. But what I am going to say, Osprey's probably deserved the win. Our try-in, the referee, has given that try to win the game at the end for the Ospreys. Because on the field, he's like, uh, I have no view. I don't know what it is. You know, I need conclusive proof whether it's a try or not. Then you're looking at all the replays. You can see the ball's down somewhere, but you can't conclusively prove that the ball is over the line. And chances are it's a try, right? Chances are it's a try. But in the framework of TMO Andy and the TMO question, you have to see conclusive proof that the try has definitely been scored. The TMO gave the try, Goody. No, Traini did. No, Austin Healy, the TMO, gave the try. He saw it, mate. No. Austin Healy is the TMO. Yeah, him and Ben Kay are arguing about it, but Traini gives the try. He's like, yeah, I can see grounding, that's a try. There's no way in the world you can. And I'm not taking anything away from Ospreys. It probably was a try, but the proof and how it works, it wasn't enough conclusive evidence to prove it was a try. And what it's done is it's cost Leicester a potential home court final as well. So they've got the home last 16 to Edinburgh, by winning that game against the Ospreys, they'd have got a home quarterfinal as well. So it's cost the club a load of cash because Traini, the referee, he was the one that I commentated on. Maybe it's my fault. I commentated on him a couple of years ago and he was wearing walking boots, hiking boots to referee and I gave him some stick on on VT Sport. And he's known that I've got the Andy Good suite at Leicester so it'll be closed if he gives that try because they won't get a home quarterfinal. So sorry, Leicester, it must be my fault. We spoke about Ospreys last week as well and gave them a few ticks and did a bit of due diligence on them. Spoke to Shanklin, and we got a real good opportunity to see them ahead of Wales again, because there'll be a few players involved in the Welsh squad. But you talk about Adam Beard, how good was he? Yeah. Physically again, how good was their scrum? Amazing. Reese Henry, who looks about 65, comes on. You talk about grassroots rugby, he looks like your proper grassroots player, doesn't he? He does. He looks like my mate Chunk, and Michael Olford, who used to play with us, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but lo- like, love to see it. Love to see it because the physicality in which they showed their desire, their fight at the breakdown, the collisions. We spoke about Jack Morgan, the way that he carries. The fact that we're not even talking about Justin Tipperick as well. Like Owen Williams at 10, we spoke about him last week. And again, I tweeted it because I feel it's important to say it. How good is it seeing Ospreys back to that level? Like not just for rugby, but for Welsh rugby going into the Six Nations and the future 
of Welsh rugby in this competition because you think of years gone by, uh, Ospreys are the one that stick out when they had the glory days with the likes of Shane Williams, Lee Byrne, Hookie. Gav Henson. R- Ryan Jones. Yeah, of course. Gavin Henson, Duncan Jones, Adam Jones. Like The list is endless, isn't it, in terms of the, the quality of players that they had. Um, Jerry Collins. Yeah when he was at six as well. So I remember Ospreys in such a way in which they were one of the big powerhouses or one of the big players in Europe and around the Pro 14 at the time. So it was great to see, obviously not from a Leicester point of view, it wasn't, but we said it. How good's the competition of the Champions Cup once we get to this point and there is jeopardy and there is a situation where there's something on the line. Yeah, and you know, people are talking about Warren Gatland coming back and the Messiah's home having a big impact on Welsh rugby, and no doubt he will. But actually, Toby Booth, credit to him for everything he's done at Ospreys. He, he's pulled them round. He's you know, a brilliant coach, brilliant bloke as well. Uh, the Welsh regions have, have improved since Gatland's return. I don't know whether that's coincidence or everyone now wants to play for Wales again, but they're all having some decent results apart from the Dragons. Dragons let them down again at the weekend, didn't they, Jim, losing? But Toby Booth, top bloke, great coach, and hopefully that keeps improving for the Ospreys. Just before we move on to the next game, just a quick shout out to Freddie Burns moving to New Zealand, the Highlanders. Out the blue? No, not really out the blue. I've known about it for a while, but I couldn't say anything. He signed somewhere else for next year. I don't want to say sushi, but it might be where there's loads of sushi. (laughs) Japan. And do you know what? Credit to him. He's been around the block. He's won them the premiership. He'll go down in Leicester folklore as a legend for that drop goal. And for him to go on experience and the club to allow him to go on experience an opportunity like that to go and play super rugby. There ain't many tens from the Northern Hemisphere that have got the opportunity to go and play super rugby. You know, I kind of set the trend and a few others followed, but he'll have a whale of a time down there. Life experience, new competition, and then go back to Japan and, and play there. I think it's brilliant for him and, and the club are, have done a good thing by letting him go from his contract early. Is he going to put his Range Rover on the market, which was your Range Rover? Imagine that someone buys Andy Goode's and Freddie Burns' Range Rover. There you go. Let's sell it on here for him. Of course. It's probably worth 50 grand over list price now. Freddie Burns has had it. And imagine the things that he's done in that car. Oh, Oof. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Gloucester, they had a big win away at Bordeaux to sneak into the knockout stages, didn't they? Massive. Huge. Massive. Chuff for them as well. I- I'll tell you one thing, though. Bordeaux were fully loaded and going to that stadium in Bordeaux where it was rampacked. You know, you see some French stadiums that aren't full at the minute for various reasons in the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup, but Bordeaux went fully loaded. Big respect to the competition. Their fans were behind it as well. And all I'm saying is, brilliant performance by Gloucester. Your mate Slug, your mate Ravo on the side, he looked, the, the camera panned on him a few times because he's sat on the side and his team manager, whatever. He looked miserable as fuck. What's wrong with him? They're winning away in France. Yeah, four kids under five. He, kids ain't there, mate. Yeah, I know, but he knows he's going home in about an hour. So <laughs> that's what he's thinking. It's like when you're on a night out, you know, the star or before the lead up, you're excited. You get your, your glad rags on, like you through the roof in terms of like your energy. And then you're looking at your watch and you're thinking, God, I'm going home in an hour. <laughs> As in, he, he got, that was him. He was looking at his watch thinking, like, can this game go on for five days? So now, nah, fair play to Gloucester. Mentioned Val Rapava Ruskin. Lewis Ludlow as well, like how he's not... Well, I'm sure he was going to say how he's not in the England squad. You look at the quality of back row. But I thought with Law's injured, they might have brought him back into the squad. They've brought Dave Ribbons up. But yeah, I mean, Gloucester Valve, Rapava Ruskin, is, again, like what his pass out the back is doing the rounds on social media. I think I found out the reason why he's not in the England squad. Go on. Ravo didn't tell me this. Someone else told me this. Okay. Apparently, apparently, allegedly, apparently, allegedly, right? So you make sure you get that in before you misquote me anyone. 
that when Steve Borthwick was the England forwards coach, they were doing a fitness drill. And having played at Montpellier with the great Mamut Gogogsi, the Georgians like to do things differently, right? So say you're doing a race, a 100-meter race, just for example. We did one. We did one. We did one. Eden Parker smoked you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Which, again, with a fused ankle and a fused knee, is probably one of my worst things that could ever, ever happen in my life. <laughs> one of the most embarrassing moments. But... We did that. It was legit. When we said go, we went. But Mamut Gorgogsi in Montpellier, right, we used to do fitness because we enjoyed fitness and because that's what the shags you did. do when you're doing a few extras. Yeah, basically, yeah. Well, he was. I was a shag. He was coming back from injury. Now, the fitness coach would go, toi, de, uh, like that. And I just said, no, just go, like, go. Just say go. Don't go three, two, one. Just say go because Mamut kept going on two. Right, so he started saying go, and then I'm absolutely smoking my Moot Gorgogsy because I was fit back then, and he was raging. He was raging. He was like, "No, go three, two, one, go." So he, obviously he's the great Moot Gorgogsy. So on three, two, he'd go again, and then he's shouting at me when he's when he's beating me like "Ale, ale!" He's screaming back for me to catch up. I'm like, "Mate, you just cheated by like two seconds." Apparently, allegedly, apparently. Rapava Ruskin was the same at England camp when they're going like chest down on the line to do fitness. He's just putting his hands on the floor. And then Steve's telling him, look, mate, unless you get your chest on the floor, you may as well get your bag and go home. Don't know if he got his bag and went home, but I think Steve was like, yeah, there's a soft underbelly to this lad here. That could be the only reason, mm. really. When you think about it, you look at it and you look at Bevan Rod in front of him. I'm not saying that, you know, Bevan Rod shouldn't be there, but Varapava Ruskin's nowhere near it and he's the form, loose head, scrummaging, breakdown, carrying ability, stats are through the roof. Steve don't like him because he's cheap. Mate, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you accuse someone Jeez. of cheating in a fitness test? It takes a very special man to do that, James, and I had every shortcut in the book. Well, there you go. The difference was when they said chest down, I said I couldn't because my belly was bouncing off the floor and my chest couldn't touch it because I bounced off my belly and up, up we go. Blame Mabuka Gorgogsi. There we go. It's the Georgian way. Even if they're cheating, they go hard. Yeah. But you don't go on two, you go on go. I bet you didn't call Mabuka Gorgogsi a fucking cheat, did you? I did to one of the lads and he said, well, do you want to go and tell him? I said, probably not, no. Hey, back to Gloucester. Massive win. George McGuigan, couple of tries. Tua Sui was big. Going back to George McGuigan, feel desperately sorry for him. Injured, yeah. Yeah, gone to Gloucester, gets a couple of tries in the England squad. Done his knees, he's out of the England squad now. But great win for Gloucester. Snuck into the qualifying positions and their prize, if you can call it that, is La Rochelle away. You bastard. Better than go South Africa. Yeah, well, I don't know. Ravo, tell him to smile, cheer up. It's a weekend away from the kids, isn't it? Yeah, very true. Well, it was a winner takes it all at the Kingspan and Ulster. Beat Sale to go through despite just winning one of their games at the pool stages. Said it before we spoke about this. Clermont did the same last year out of nowhere. Massive for Ulster because the shift in energy that they'll have at the club. And we spoke about Ulster as well, some of the injuries that they've had, like Stockdale taking a while to come back, James Hume taking a while to get back to his very best, Dwayne Vermeulen struggling with injury. Just rewind, James, you've been mean about Dwayne Vermeulen. Why? What did I say? He's got a biscuit. I didn't say that. No, you said he was past it. He's not, you know, question him. Mm. MOM. He is past his best, but his best is the best. When the big game came, the big boy rocked up and he gets MOM. There you go. The physicality, and Al Sanderson said it, didn't he? Vermeulen was massive. They won the physical battle. And Ulster, that was a difference. The atmosphere was unbelievable down the TV watching that game. I'd love to have been there. And reports were, had Ulster not won that, McFarlane could have got the boot as well. Well, there you go. Right when it mattered. So we need to give also a shout out. Sale, one of the informed teams, and you mentioned the physicality. So it's deep-rooted in Ulster. They've been off the ball 
They've lost a load of games, six out of seven, I think, in the lead up to that. So to get the last 16 through the back door, well, I'll tell you what, it was a big old back door, probably a bit smelly as well, but they're there. And it's a smelly back door that they've got through because they've got to go to Leinster as well. They can beat Leinster. Well, can they? What am I on about? If they play like that, they've got a chance. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's take a break from the Champions Cup now then and look ahead to the Six Nations and we can have a chat with Connacht and Ireland winger Mac Hansen. How are you, mate? Yeah, no, good. Good, lads. Um, no, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, it's class to have you, Mac. The big reveal. I don't think I've ever seen your face. Like All I see is a scrum cap and just see some rapid dude flying around so it's actually great to see your face i mean can we see your <laughs> head can i have a look at your head or not how's that looking no no i still keep this secret i'm actually bald I, that's why uh that's why i'm always wearing hats and a uh and a scrum cap genuinely is that no, right no, or not no, no, i'll give you a look i'll give you a look there you go i'll keep it off for you if you want there you go that is lovely how was it at newcastle a bit of a baptism of fire slightly different to as you would say, international footy tough place to go and play eh? it is a bit of an eye-opener especially when it's dark and cold and miserable. No, look, it, it was it was tough. Like they, they just came out firing in the first twenty minutes. We were our own worst enemies at, at the time, but the crowd was unreal too. It was cool. Like it, Newcastle's an unbelievable town. Like the uh, I grew up watching Geordie Shaw, so <laughs> to drive past Bijou and whatnot was definitely the highlight of the trip. I'd say you're sat in your car now. For the listeners, you've got a dog next to you. So if you can hear whining or whistling, it's the dog. Yeah. What does it look like now? That what's his name? Is it? A he? I'm guessing it's a he, but it could be a she. It's uh, his name's Lemmy. 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 He's heading into a dog kennel, so I think you can tell he's spewing. <laughs> yeah, he's dog. not too happy. Or he, he's maybe singing because he knows he's on the rugby pod, but like, is he going <laughs> in the kennels now because you're going into camp? Like, what do the next couple of weeks look like? Yeah, yeah. So um, heading into camp, he's he's a bit of a handful. So I I left him with a couple of people a couple of times and not many people could really hack it. So <laughs> yeah, while I'm in camp, he'll, he'll just be there for a couple of weeks and um, we're heading up there and then off to, we got a training camp in Portugal. So um, which would be lovely. Yeah, tough gig for you boys getting out to Portugal when it's about minus eight degrees here. In- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's awful. Last time we were over there, it maybe rained for about 20 seconds. So a little bit different to, to Dublin and Galway, but you know, you just got to roll with the punches, don't you? Certainly do. When did you head out to Portugal? Head out on Thursday. So we're up in, in camp tomorrow, but my family's actually over. So I'm just ha- spending a night with them in Dublin and then, uh, and then yeah, then we take off. 
And then the next few weeks is just just head there and then pretty much I think it's straight to Cardiff if you're selected. So, no, pretty much straight into it. It would be really exciting. Hopefully you can get into that game. Um, I, I haven't been to the stadium in Cardiff yet, so uh, that'd be a great one to be a part of, I'd say. Yeah, it's unreal. What is it like being in camp? Is it I, From the outside looking in, it seems like it could be really, really intense. Like you go to Portugal, is there a bit of R&R? Do you get to relax? Is there a bit of golf or is it proper kind of heads on? No, Andy's um, Andy and all the coaches, to be honest, uh, have made like have made it a really good uh, environment where you know when we're on, we're on. But when it's time to chill out and relax, like he gives us plenty of free time and to kind of just get away from footy as well, which I think is so important. Like if you just go on footy, footy, footy the whole time, like it, you, you kind of just melt your brain a bit. So I think we normally get a day off over there, and we had a we had a couple of drinks there last year, and I got a bit carried away in the piss that we had so I'm going to try not to do it this year everyone's kind of reminding me that it's second year in a row that I got to do it but I don't know I might, might pass it on to, a, to somebody else well tell us about that then because uh, I holiday out in Quinta de Lago where you boys head out as well where, where did you end up I need to know so I can tell the missus that I'm I'm going to meet the Mac <laughs> <laughs> you know what lads I honestly couldn't even tell you I uh we went to some that bad we went out for a feed and then one of the waitresses just kept pouring me wines the whole time and I was telling her like nah I don't no more wine for me, and she just kept filling the glass up to the to the top. And stupid enough for me, I just kept kept sending them back, and, and the rest of the night's quite blurry. Deny, deny, reaccuse. Um, <laughs> we we sat next to Johnny Sexton. He's actually I know that Johnny does enjoy a drink. I was chatting to his brother. He likes to get loose in his own company, in private company. But how is he and some of the leaders and stuff like that? Do they let their hair down? I mean, you're I mean, you, I know you're Australian, but you're now Irish as well. Irish, like they like to enjoy themselves you know, I saw Peter Romani down in New Zealand he was stealing people's chicken wings yeah and <laughs> looks like he'd had one or t- 25 responsibly yeah no I, I was actually sat next to Keith Earls that day Keith loves a rosé so he was just sitting back on the rosés he's a bit more of a um you know he's got a few more years of experience on the drink than me so he could kind of handle it maybe that was my <laughs> that was my downfall trying to keep up with Keith but uh, no, everyone in there once yeah as I said like when it's time to, to have a good time everyone can really relax and everyone gets on like a house on fire so no it's a great bunch of lads to to have a drink and you know spend the next couple of weeks with as well it does seem like, like that environment interestingly obviously last couple of weeks you played fullback we've seen you playing for Ireland on the wing a hell of a lot you mentioned Johnny Sexton you like to get into first receiver and be a bit of a ball player as well at times any idea of playing 10 do you fancy a, a bit of a 10 role after Johnny retires maybe post World Cup who wants that gig? Who wants to follow up after Johnny? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I played ten till I was about, um, I'd say like twenty or so, and then I moved to fullback. And then I've only been playing on the wing for two years, so it's handy being able to play like a few positions. Um, wherever my team kind of needs me is where I'm going to play at the time being. I'm enjoying uh, all positions, but I am enjoying being at fullback a lot as well. It's it's that um, as you said, I can get in the first receiver without, I guess the the massive responsibility that 10 kind of holds, like calling all the plays and whatnot, like a bit more freedom, I think, I think they're uh, out at the back there. So, no, I'm enjoying my time there. What about the big reveal, the scrum cap? Do you think you'll always stick with that? I know Mike Lowry, he started to remove his slightly. Lee Halfpenny, he's another fullback slash bat three player that likes to wear a scrum cap. Like, is that something that you've always worn? Is it a bit of a kind of safety accessory for you? Yeah, no, I always wore it. I um back in the day, I was oh, I had all the kit, like I had shoulder pads and whatnot. The shoulder pads came down to past oh, my elbows. Ghetto. Tell me you had gloves. I had uh, I had gloves. There when we I go. Was a bit younger. My yeah, man. Gloves. My man. It's the Matt Ghetto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the Andy. It was uh, the Andy Good. Now, the um, 
Yeah, so I I've, I kind of always wore it. I didn't wear it for about a season there, just purely because it shrunk and it took me ages to get one. And then once the hair was getting long, I, like the hair was just getting in my eyes and whatnot, and thought it was a good time to start it up again. So definitely looking forward. Then obviously you start off with Wales, and then you got France at home as well, haven't you? Tough start against Wales, but clearly the big one everyone's talking about. The top two teams in the world at the minute are yourselves and France. Um, they beat you to win the Grand Slam last year in a tight game over in Paris. Are you just looking at the first game or is the big focus on the French game and then ultimately the Grand Slam decider maybe against England later on in the tournament? Oh, you just, you've got to take every game one by one for sure. Like you know, Wales is going to be a completely different team with, with Warren out there. Um, they always had such great success under him. So I think if you're thinking the week ahead, you can, you're going to get in trouble, especially in this competition. Like Everybody's got such... Um, such good depth in the squads. Even even Italy had a really good uh, summer season. They're beating Australia and a couple teams, so um, they're not someone that can take lightly either. So as I said, it's one by one, and I think if you if you look at it that way, then you know everything kind of hopefully work out in your favour. So it is one by one. I know it is the kind of tagline saying you hear Borthwick from the England team talking about Scotland. We'd have to talk about it. Wales are on the rebuild, but looking at Ireland, right. They've done so much in the Six Nations. Leinster have been a fantastic team, sorry to say, because I know you're a, a Connacht man through and through. But everyone's speaking about Ireland for the World Cup. We don't know when we're going to get you. We don't know how close off the media will be to Irish players in the lead-up to the World Cup. Is that something that is spoken about at all uh, around this Six Nations? Is the, I mean, naturally the build-up to that, but it's all about the World Cup or is it all about the Six Nations and the Grand Slam this time around? I guess the way it's set up, like they've kind of... You know, you got to use these games as high pressure moments that you know, which can lead into, I guess, being more comfortable when it comes in the World Cup. Because I haven't played in one personally, but from what I've heard, like there's just nothing like playing in the World Cup. Um, and you've seen the last couple of years, like a lot of teams upset and whatnot as well. So, no, we want to we want to win a grand, a grand Slam and take home the Six Nations for sure. And uh, we can still do that with um, leading into the World Cup if that makes sense. Like you can use these games to kind of prepare yourself for that and winning a, winning a Six Nations is a great way to head into a World Cup for sure. Is there much chat about the World Cup from the coaches or the players? Um, I know it is obviously in in terms of the press, we're talking about it a lot because it's exciting. It's you know, probably the, the tightest one to call for years in terms of everyone's form. But is there much chat about it within the group or from the coach's perspective or is it purely focused on the Six Nations? No, this this is uh, purely Six Nations at the time. As we, you know, it's... um. Like Six Nations is a huge thing to win. Like I, I probably didn't appreciate it as much when I first came in, but like once I've, uh, once you see how much it means, like winning that triple crown, even though we didn't get the Grand Slam or we didn't get the Six Nations trophy, like even winning something like that is just such a, such a important thing that doesn't come uh, around so often. So we know that if we can win that as well, that the country is really going to get behind us. Like they already are, but um, it's just going to be holding us in good stance hitting into this World Cup. I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent slightly. I don't know how much you speak to the Australian lads or if you've got any mates out there of how Eddie Jones has been received back in Australia. I mean, he's thrown a cat amongst the pigeons. I haven't asked him, no. I haven't asked him yet. I'm staying out of that drama as well, I'd say. Um, <laughs> what do you think they might say? <laughs> Second guess them. <laughs> he's, he's staying out, oh, Jim. Who knows? <laughs> Some of the stories that I've heard about Eddie and... Um, like he's obviously he gets results and he's just like an unbelievable coach um it sounds like he loves a mind game as well so i guess when the lads have more time with him i'll definitely be asking questions on how he's going and how he is um as a bloke um he's just like he's such a interesting character in footy so he's got a great record with every team he goes to so i don't know it's it was an interesting move but you know it could be a good one 
And what about the media? Uh, do you know? Have you heard anything from friends and family about how it's been received in the media over there? Are they shocked? Are they happy to see him back? You know, it's real. It's real mixed. So, like, some people are loving it, and some people think it's a little bit too close. I guess it's a little bit the same of the um, what England were going through, like um, this close to a World Cup to get rid of your coach is a big, big call. So. Um, there's always going to be two people on, the, on each side of the fence. Hey, mate, I'm happy he's gone. I'm happy he's gone to Australia. Um, but, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, talking of Australia and coaches, Andy Friend, I, I read an interview that he did about when he signed you, and he said he did a bit of research back in Australia about what you were like, and everyone came back with, he's a great lad, but he's a bit loose. And I love that. I love that. And he still signed you because you're a bit loose, but you're a great lad. Talk to me about how loose you are then. What, what what's were the stories coming out of Australia? I don't think I'm loose at all, mate. You know, just... Denial. Hey, it was the waitress's fault. The waitress is loose. Yeah, yeah. As I said, it's the people that are around me. They're, they're the loose ones, aren't they? If you can get onto a childhood friend of mine, maybe they'll spill a few stories, but I'm not that silly, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. We'll do some digging. But you're silly enough to get some awful tattoos. Again, what I'm hearing, but I'm not one to talk. I've got a Superman tattoo on my arm that at 23... Looks unbelievable at 40. It looks more like Batman. And I also got my name in Arabic under my arm when I was in Jerusalem with the missus on holiday, which I thought says James, but turns out when I went to Dubai, it actually says Samaj because they've done it the wrong way around. Have you got anyone like that or not? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have Samaj on my arm yet, but it's one I'm looking at. Now, I'm a bit of a picture book at the moment. I don't really have an end goal with it. I just, if I see something, I kind of just get it. Um, as I said, like at the moment, it seems like a great idea, but it could be a bit like you, I guess, in a couple of years. But I'll deal with that when it comes to it, you know. Exactly. Just, uh, what, what's your worst one? I've got, yeah, Oshin Dowling on my legs, pretty pretty grim. My missus was pretty spewing about that, um, especially because I don't have a tattoo of her. So she was, when I got an actual face of just one of my mates, um, she was not happy <laughs> with that. I've also got recently Peter Dooley. Everyone here, like his dad's name's Jerry. I call him Jerry all the time, so I got Jerry Dooley on my leg as well. What, a, a portrait? So you're into portraits? No, just a nice, just a nice running writing. Oh, okay. Jerry that's pretty horrendous. <laughs> um, that's one that I'll probably look back at in a couple of years and think, oh, fuck, what was the thing in there? But What are your best ones then? Because, I mean, Jim's regretting all of his now, especially Samajan, Batman, Spider-Man, whatever he is. I have to say that one, Mum, if you can see that. Oh, yeah, that's nice. A bit of old school. The only one she likes as well, <laughs> believe it or not. Should we do, we could do a little bit of a bet on here, couldn't we? Like if Ireland beats Scotland, if Ireland beats Scotland. When Ireland beats Scotland, yeah. When Ireland beats Scotland, then that means you have to get a tattoo of Big Jim. If Scotland beat Ireland, I'll get the tattoo. How's about that? Deal. Are you, are you sure? So Big Jim and then you get Big Mac. Will yeah, but I'm going if Ireland beats Scotland. So I'm going all in on Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, James. Okay, we'll, we'll switch it around, yeah. So oh. if, if, uh, if we beat, if we beat uh, Scotland... You get Big Mac. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'll do it right. You heard it here first then. I'll tell you now, I think, well, I don't. I don't think Scotland going to do it, but <laughs> for the love of the rugby pod, I'll get, do you want Big Mac or just Mac? Big Mac, Big Mac would be good. All yeah. right. Whereabouts on the body? Yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you pick. Okay, you cool. Pick. Right, let's do it then. All right, so you heard it here first then. So Scotland beat Ireland, Mac gets Big Jim, and if Ireland beats Scotland, I get Big Mac. Oh gosh, with a K, with a K though. I'm lucky that it's with a K, not a C. M A C K. Yeah, if it, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happier with that than if it wasn't the K at the end. Yeah, it looks better. It looks better with the K. I hate when people leave the K. Much better. Damn. I'm just thinking of the burger right now, the Big Mac. That's all I can all I can think about now. You've said it. Well, good. Why don't we do if Ireland beat England, then you'll get a Big Mac. 
I haven't got any tattoos, so that's not where you start the well, tattoo. That's what I mean. That could be the wood one. <laughs> Deal. It's a, good, it's a good time to get a first one. Great time to get a first one. I think I'll be all right. This is commitment to the rugby pod. Come on, Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Thank you so much for coming on, Big Mac. We'll call you Big Mac from now on. That's all we know you as. Oh, no. I just know him as Mac. There's only, that's only four letters. I'm calling you Mac. I ain't calling you Big Mac. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Good, man. Enjoy the camp and uh, take your golf clubs because I know Mike Cat loves a round of golf as well. Catty will no doubt have his golf clubs out there in Portugal with him. I don't know. He can hold the thing with these with his pinky pointing to the left, but... That's why I don't play. <laughs> <laughs> Top, man. Cheers, lads. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Top, lad. Top, lad. Yeah, he is. What have I done? What have I done? You're definitely getting Big Mac tattoos. And where are you going for it? <sighs> Back of the neck, forehead, under the eye. What about under the eye here? Big there and then Mac there no no, I'm going to go under the toe but I will get it done <laughs> or I might even do the camel toe imagine how painful that'll be I'm happy to do it I've got that many shit tattoos there's more jeopardy on the game now so come on Scotland uh, lovely lad I like Australians as well Australian Irish man yeah imagine he's loose eh? I can imagine he likes a few beers you can feel it yeah yeah. he's a hell of a player and he, do you know what I love about him he goes socks down scrum cap on hair flowing tash going normally he doesn't give a shit, that's what you mean. He looks he doesn't look a million dollars, but he plays like a million dollars. You know what I mean? He just looks like I one, think it works. It does. It does. He's a hell of a player. Um and I'm trying to get him to go to ten, but how about that? Who the fuck wants to play after Johnny Sexton retires at ten? What a what a job to take on, whoever that is. The Six Nations is only a couple of weeks away. That means the Guinness Pint Predictor is back. You can predict the scores, beat your mates, and win free pints of Guinness. They've made it even easier this year to win free pints. All you have to do is download the free Fanzo app, go to the Guinness Pint Predictor, and enter the league code RugbyPod. Anyone that enters the Rugby Pod's private league before January 29th will be entered into a draw to win a pair of tickets to England v Scotland at Twickenham on the 4th of February, courtesy of Guinness. And you also get a free pint of Guinness just for signing up. So get involved. Let's go back to the Champions Cup now then. Round of 16. What are your picks? Which ones are you looking forward to? People have complained about the format and I was having to think about the format over the last couple of days. And I don't mind the format because you look at this weekend and the last weekend, apart from Cast, who are absolute shithouses, let's be honest, when it comes to Europe, <laughs> you know, they've just paid no respect to the competition ever. Everyone else, you know, Bordeaux didn't have a lot to play for. They've gone fully barred up at home. You know, Racing, they're out of it. Well, they had an outside chance, but they went fully barred up to Leinster. Everyone in the last sort of two rounds went pretty hard. And, and in the old format, you see a load of dead rubbers. So there wasn't any dead rubbers this weekend. The only way I'd change it is potentially go last 32, two legs, last 16, two legs, and then quarterfinal, semifinal, final, as an opportunity to change it up a little bit. But you look at the last 16 ties now, and there's humdingers everywhere, isn't there? Like Leinster-Ulster is a, a brilliant game. Ulster, bang average in the competition so far. But like Jim said before, they should have beaten Leinster previously in the, at the RDS when they were 20-odd points up or whatever it was. La Rochelle-Gloucester, looking forward to that. Gloucester earned their right in there. Stormers against the Quins. Quins that you know, play a great brand of rugby. So do the Stormers and our good friend as head coach. What's his name again, Jim? Jake White. And it's not Jake White, mate. It's not John Dobson. John Dobson, you mug. <laughs> So yeah, there's loads of games. The Sharks Munster one, Goody, like Munster at the weekend. Oh, how good were they? They're back. After 20 minutes. Genuinely back. First 20 minutes, I'm, I'm like, this could be 50, lads. This could be 50. But that's even better. The fact that they rode that storm. Craig Casey at scrum half, big shout out to him. Uh, he set up one of the tries. He, he he looks very good. He's a bit on the small side, but powerhouse. Gavin Coombs in the back row as well. 
been talking him up for for years. Going down to the Sharks is the baptism of fire, isn't it? To really see where they are because, oh my, Ebenezer Beth, how well is he playing at the minute? Yeah. To forget the fact that he's picking balls up at the back of the rooks. <laughs> the physicality of him and Khaleesi and these players, watching Munster turn it on at the weekend against Toulouse, that's a big one for me. I can't wait for that. Tyg Byrne was ridiculous as well, wasn't he? Oh, we could go through them. Like, mate, Klein as well. Like, physically, Graham O'Rountree's got them like firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the first 10 minutes when I thought they were going to take 50 points. but And again, refereeing decision cost them dearly, Munster. Carl Dixon got it wrong again. Gave a yellow card to Ben Healy at a crucial moment in the game. It was good, Ben Healy as well. He was. And the TMO, Rowan Kitt, saying to him, oh, it starts on his chest and then rides up, So, and it's not away from the body too much. He was just saying it was penalty only. Carl Dixon's listened to one thing, heard another... And he's gone, yep, yellow card. Never a yellow card for Ben Healy. How crazy is that to yellow card and Jamie George's is a yellow card? Like, if you put them two next to each other and they're both yellow cards. But then the one that Rowan Kitt did miss, doing the rounds on social media, and I picked it up watching the game. Of course you did. was Richie Arnold flying out the line, head on head with Joey Carberry. Has it not been checked? Well, in Rowan Kitt's defence, and having said and commentated in a game from France at the weekend, the French producers give you no replays mental yeah they just press delete you probably delete the footage after about five seconds no not possible not possible it would be red card Laporte's running that yeah Laporte's got the button there we go if in doubt blame from prison blame Bernard Laporte the the master of corruption right well let's finish things off then with the good the bad and the ugly yeah let's let's start off in Leinster 20 points from 20 in the Champions Cup they get mentioned the good this week. 28 tries. You just can't fault them, can you? Well, maybe Ulster will make them fault in the last 16. La Rochelle get mentioned the good as well. They've won Pool B, played 4-1-4 with a big win down at Northampton Saints at the weekend. What else was good? Ulster. We spoke about them in a winner-takes-all clash against Sale. The passion, the physicality, that was pretty good. We'll go on to the Ospreys, James. Very impressive. The first Welsh team to win at Welford Road since 1998 a game that I played in as an 18-year-old boy where we got handed our asses by a Welsh team. So massive shout-out to the Ospreys boys, especially Jack Morgan. When Sam Warburton says you're the future Wales captain, just give him the armband now because the Messiah, Sam Warburton of Wales, has spoken. What else was good? Edinburgh. Get to mention the good for their victory over Saracens. Physical, Pierre Schoeman. Imagine having their whole stadium just shout, Scoo! What would they say about you, Jim? Big Jim, 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 Jim. I don't even know. I, what I said now... Well, the repeat was because you used to play on a Monday night in front of no one, so it echoed around the stadium when someone said, Big Jim, Jim, Jim. Legend, 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 legend. Yeah, massive shout-out to uh, the Edinburgh boys for that victory. Uh, Quinns get a shout-out in the good this week as well. Decent win over the Sharks. And Danny Kerr specifically gets a shout-out. He played his 350th game for Harlequins at the weekend, which is some stint. And he went out with his 10 kids. Three. Yeah, but you know, there's a lot. Anything over two is a lot. It is. You're dead right. The URC get a shout out in the good this week, Jim, collectively. What do you mean they rest all their players and bring out the big guns for the Champions Cup that's not called Europe anymore, it's just the Champions Cup? Oh, so you're saying it now, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I think the URC's been very good. It's going from strength to strength. I think rugby in Europe hangs its hat on the URC. It's that strong. And there's the tumbleweed. Did you hear the tumbleweed there? Um, anyway, the URC teams get a shout out in the good. All eight of them have qualified and are through to the last 16 in the Champions Cup. So well done to those boys. But the good this week, then there's a little bit of bias here because Jim's mates with the team manager, or he's, he's your best mate. And I went on a cycle ride with the Gloucester boys. But Gloucester are going to get 
the good this week. It was a massive win down at Bordeaux uh, to qualify for the last 16. Bordeaux were fully loaded. They had all their big guns playing. The crowd was huge. And to get a victory there, knowing that it would make you qualify for the last 16 is a pretty big feat for Gloucester. So massive shout out to those boys. And that's why Gloucester get the good this week. Ear, ear, as they say in Gloucester. The bad, few bits of bad. We're going to start off with the French teams, James Hamilton. And especially in the Champions Cup, five out of eight of the French teams in the Champions Cup didn't qualify. And in one pool... Are they bothered? And that's the problem. Three out of six in the Challenge Cup as well didn't qualify. So eight out of 14 haven't qualified for the next round across the whole of the Champions and Challenge Cup. And I think a lot of it is because Anton Dupont said he ain't bothered. He ain't bothered. He's not happy with the South African teams coming in. Cast, I don't even know why they bother entering the Champions Cup, sticking with the French theme. Absolutely shocking in Europe. And basically... I blame Bernard Laporte and his corruption. What do you reckon, Jim? Yeah, I'll go with that. So uh, they get a mention of the bad. Henry Pergos and Edinburgh get a mention of the bad this week as well. Even though they beat Saracens, it seems like they didn't know all the permutations of not going through if they scored another point or obviously three points because that's the minimum that they could have scored to get through to the last 16. And then Mike Blair pretending it was all part of the plan. Well, they're like, no, no, momentum and the, the, the energy in the stadium will... You're not going to be in the stadium for the last 16. You should have gone and taken a risk and tried to get another score to get home last 16 games. So that's why Henry Pergos and Edinburgh get a mention in the bad. But the bad this week can only go to one body, one outfit, one set of people, James Hamilton. That is the RFU and their decision in how they've handled the tackle height reduction. I understand why they're doing it, but it's been an absolute PR disaster that could potentially kill the game at grassroots level. They've not come out and said how and why and proved the science. They've just said, this is what we're doing, so deal with it, everyone. Uh, and that's why they are a few. You're going to get the bad this week. Will they go through with it, do you think? I'd hope. And here's a, here's a chance for Bill Sweeney to earn a little bit of credibility by rowing it back and saying, okay, we've listened to you. We'll go to the nipple line to start off with and see how that goes. Because then, how are you asking any bloke that's over 28 who's not in the gym every week three times a week. Who's over six foot. To touch his toes. Like, people just can't <laughs> bend over and tackle. They physically can't do it, a lot of them. No, you can't. So, yeah, it's just ridiculous to me, RFU. So hopefully they row it back and go back to the nipple line. And as I said, plenty of times, some people's nipples are lower than their knees. We've listened to you. We've listened to the people. We've followed the science and we've followed the data. <laughs> there you go. That's what they'll come out and say. Same people. Just packaged in a different way. Yeah, we'll get some credibility back. So uh, that's why the RFU get the bad. Then the ugly, few bits of ugly... We're going to start off with some of the red cards on the weekend. Tokino for cast, shoulder to the head. And Fraser Dingwall as well. He got a shoulder to the head and rightly got a red card. Richie Arnold gets a mention in the ugly as well for his flying out the line, head on head on Joey Carberry. That was missed by TMO Rowan Kip. I don't blame the TMO in this instance. I actually blame the French producer. So uh, there's my GMO, TMO issue. French producers show the replays, but he should get a sighting and a ban for that. But the ugly this week goes to whichever doctor allowed Jamie George to go back on in the Edinburgh Saracens game after he's barcode on the floor. Not a good look for the game to allow that to happen. You can say he was winded, even if there's a remote chance that he was concussed and it looked pretty bad. You check out the whiplash, you check out how he was lying on the floor and how he couldn't get up. That's more than winded. So whichever doctor, whether it was an independent doctor, whether it was a Saracens doctor, whoever you are, you've had a shocker and you need to give your own head a bit of a wobble. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Andy Rowe, that is correct. I've got a big shout-out going to Louis Gray, and he's from Stockton RFC. 
Rob, from up your neck of the woods, and he's going to be chopping off his magnificent mullet to raise funds for Team Luke Foundation, a charity set up as a legacy to Luke Bell, an inspirational eight-year-old boy who sadly died from neuroplastoma in 2018. Luke's mum, Becky, and dad, Mark, who also plays at Stockton Rugby Club, they've set up the charity to help parents access key services and information and fund research to improve the diagnosis and the development of kinder treatment for children who suffer from this awful form of cancer. So you can make a difference in Luke's name as Louis loses his trademark mullet by going to justgiving.com and you search cutting the mullet. Big shout out to all of you and sending lots of love. Yeah, definitely. And a massive shout out as well goes to Lucas Patzold. He plays as a flanker for Westcliff RFC in the under-14s and last week, unfortunately, suffered a double spiral fracture to the tibia and fibia. He's a fantastic young man. It was a pleasure to coach and best wishes from all of us here at the Rugby Pod to you, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas, thinking of you, mate. We've got one final shout out and it's to the 50 members of Ospreys in the community who are doing a fundraiser in March to raise money and it's called Ride to Rugby. They're cycling from Calais to Paris and they're finishing off at the France versus Wales game on the 18th of March. Mark Stubbs, Tom Sloan, Joe Gage, Kyle Tucker... They're being joined by Welsh legend Ian Goff, among others. And all you need to do is search Ospreys Ride to Rugby if you want to help them out. All the money will be going towards the development of their programmes within the community. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. Pod.